This is episode 21 of Functional First Podcast, where we speak with leading experts in the field of functional health. I'm Katie Yamamoto from Functional Media, and today I'm speaking with Erin Tran, podorthist and founder of Orthogenic Laboratories, about custom foot orthotics. Thank you for letting us interview you today. Can we start by having you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Aaron Tran. I'm a Canadian certified pedorthist and one of the co-founders of Orthogenic Lab. And pedorthists are specialists in orthopedic foot appliances. We specialize in custom orthotics, the assessment, manufacturing and fit of all the devices, footwear modifications for problematic feet, such as like a big leg length discrepancy or heavily supinated and pronated feet and custom orthopedic footwear. Okay. So can you give us an overview of what Orthogenic Lab does? Sure. Uh, Orthogenic Lab is a preorthic facility that specializes in the manufacture of custom orthotics using some of the latest technology that's out there for manufacturing. We have a wide array of experience in different types of 3D scanning and other CAD-CAM methods of manufacturing. We service health practitioners all across Canada using primarily EVA-based orthotics. What are the differences between the types of foot specialists? I know there's a few different ones. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So there's chiropodists, podiatrists, and pedorthists. Uh, would be kind of the three main ones that would deal with custom foot orthotics. Um, the difference between a podiatrist and a chiropodist is podiatrists are American trained and a podiatrist practicing in Ontario could fall under either the chiropodist designation or the podiatrist des- designation depending on when they started practicing in Ontario. So I believe it's 1993 that they phased out the podiatry title and designation. So any podiatrist moving in with education from the U.S. coming to Ontario to practice would also get a chiropodist designation. Chiropodists and podiatrists specialize in whole foot care, so they deal with a wide array of things related to the foot, including minor foot surgeries, uh, nail care, fungal care, debridement of wounds, And, of course, they are trained in assessment and fit of foot orthotics as well. And then pedorthists are specialized specifically in the uh, conservative foot treatment, so custom foot orthotics. And we specialize in all the aspects of the design, the manufacture, and the fitting of the devices. Um, So oftentimes we work in conjunction with one another. The chiropodist might write the prescription and do the assessment and um, work closely with the pedorthist for all the manufacturing design and, and fit needs. So, Okay. And can you talk a bit about what orthotics are and why they are important? It's something you could talk for days about, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in general, uh, custom foot orthotics can do a multitude of things. They're certainly not a be-all, end-all for treatment of the entire body as some people might claim for them to be, but there is certainly a lot they can do. Uh, Redistribute pressure across the foot, uh, change the mechanics of the foot to help with 
foot pain, ankle pain, knee pain, and in some cases uh, farther up the chain as well. We've worked very closely with a lot of international practitioners uh, over in Europe and across the world, um, learning about the way they practice. And there are many really knowledgeable practitioners out there who use orthotics specifically for improving and changing postural alignment as well, which is a very new and upcoming field of research and um, practice for orthotics as well. So, okay, and what? Other types of conditions can orthotics help with? You touched on that briefly. Yeah, I think orthotics can certainly help with a lot of things, primarily focused on the foot and ankle, because the closer it is to the joints and anatomy of the body that it's affecting, it'll have a greater influence. So certainly um, offloading pressure from the ball of the feet, reducing pain in the heel, pain in the arch, ankle instability and ankle pain and of course if you're affecting the foot and ankle that can influence how the knee functions and you can get improvements in knee pain and knee function as well in some cases but not all cases so okay. and then what about using orthotics for conditions that are not foot related such as low back pain and things like that certainly i think uh that can be a really controversial topic. There is definitely very proven methods for treating, for example, low back pain or maybe some hip conditions related to leg length discrepancies or other factors like that um, where orthotics can be very effective. I think orthotics are certainly not the treatment protocol for all low back pain, but there's definitely a percentage of low back pain that can definitely be treated by orthotics as well. I think a lot of practitioners out there may claim to be able to treat your low back pain with the orthotics without the proper knowledge for it. I think there are very few, it's a small percentage of people out there who actually do have the very specific knowledge to apply to influence and affect low back pain with the orthotic treatment, so. Okay, and are orthotics a temporary solution like for someone that's flat-footed would you use the orthotic temporarily until they can increase their intrinsic foot muscles or anything like that or do you think of them as more of a long-term solution it really depends on the practitioner's um, theory of practice to be honest um, there are certainly many practitioners out there who use orthotics as a temporary solution I think if you use orthotics in conjunction with other rehab therapy that will help to strengthen the foot, for example, or strengthen the supporting musculature, it can definitely be an adjunct that, to that type of therapy. Um, it also makes a difference what type of materials you use and the manufacturing method. But definitely a lot of practitioners out there also use orthotics as a long-term solution because um, compliance with rehab therapy is often an issue with patients. and having patients like improve their intrinsic foot muscles for example over a short period of time is not always easy so some people end up relying on the orthotics because they aren't working to build the supporting musculature around it to kind of wean themselves off of it but also for people who are standing for like extremely long periods of time throughout the day in their jobs and their professions it's it's tough to rely on such small musculature in the feet to stay like fully functional 
throughout the entire day of standing. So oftentimes it is helpful to be wearing orthotics during periods of long-term standing and spending lots of time on your feet. And when you give someone orthotics, do you recommend that they wear them all the time when they're on their feet? Like if someone has orthotics that they use, you know, most of the time, if they then go and wear flip-flops or something like that without much support, is that just going to bring them back to where they started? I think orthotics can be very similar to eyeglasses. When you're wearing them, they are helping improve the alignment, the structure, the function of your foot. Much like when you put glasses on, the world's just a little bit clearer. Um, when you take them off, you can still function, it's just not as optimal functioning. And I think that with the proper education, patients can certainly go between wearing them and not wearing them. For example, me myself, I wear orthotics when I know I'm going to be standing for long periods of time, but I do spend time barefoot or in minimalistic shoes as well so that I can help to strengthen my feet over time as well. I wouldn't recommend someone who's on an assembly line, for example, for 10 hours a day wearing barefoot or minimalistic footwear because their feet need support during those long periods of wear. But I think there's some combination of the two that you could definitely adopt depending on what the patient's uh, goals are and how well educated they are on strengthening and the rehab therapy side of things. What are the components of an orthotic? What are the purposes of the different layers of them? Orthotics can be made with like a wide variety of materials. Um, so oftentimes the layers can be used for structural support or cushioning properties and sometimes to change the texture for proprioceptive function. Um, it can really vary depending on the manufacturing method and what materials are actually used. What are the common materials to use? Um, sure, yeah, the most common materials are either thermoplastic composites or ethyl vinyl acetate, which is what we specialize in. Um, and ethyl vinyl acetate is better known as EVA. The same materials that are used in the majority of running shoes and orthopedic shoes as the base material for the soles. So certain materials have more structural and kind of bracing properties and others have more shock absorbing and energy rebound type properties. All right. So can you just explain what the different parts of the orthotic are? Um, sure. There's generally a like a base shape and shell to the orthotic, which is contoured to match the foot in a custom device. Most of the time, the device should like really match very closely to the arch and across the shape of the foot. And then within the device, there will be different sections where additional supports are inlaid, and usually that's put in depending on the condition of the foot. So for example, like this blue section in the middle here is a metatarsal pad. Um, it helps to support through the transverse arch and help offload pressure from the ball of the foot. This is a patient with uh, a Charcot foot, so they've got a really a drop navicular, and so we've done like a special cutout here to help offload pressure from that area. Same thing here for the big 
toe joint. And in this example, there is a sulcus crest, which is kind of like a toe gripper to help support the toes and give the patient a little bit more stability. There's kind of a big variety of different um, accommodations that can go into the device based on what the patient's needs are. Is there a difference between hard and soft orthotics? I mean, just in the clinics, seeing people come in with different orthotics, some of them look like this. Sometimes you get like really hard, plastic type materials. Mm -hmm. Again, I think that's kind of in difference in the way that practitioners practice. I think the two main materials, like we said earlier, were thermoplastics and EVA. So thermoplastics generally are harder materials. They act more like a brace for the foot and can be very rigid depending on the thickness of the material. And they have a lot less um, compression properties. And generally, people in North America tend to use more thermoplastics than EVA. We work very closely with practitioners all across the world. So uh, we have a very close relationship with a lot of European practitioners, uh, orthopedic specialists, orthopedic shoemakers, podiatrists. And in Europe, the practice is very different. Most of the practitioners in Europe use EVA-based materials. And it's a common misconception that EVA is a softer-based orthotic, but actually EVA comes in like a large range of densities. So the denser the material, the firmer the orthotics are. The one major benefit to EVA is um, it has rebound properties. So it works in conjunction with the foot. As the foot is pronating, for example, the material is compressed and then rebound. So they help reduce and control the rate of motion instead of being like a rigid block that uh, is, acts like a brace and can potentially cause muscle atrophy and loss of muscle function if there's not proper normal function of those intrinsic muscles. So. so with the EVA orthotics, you don't really get any of that muscle atrophy or anything from wearing them? I wouldn't say you wouldn't get it necessarily. Okay. <laughs> it just depends on how much correction you put in the device. Um, with EVA, there's a big range of um, supportive levels depending on how dense the material is and how corrective the shape is you can still make a really corrective very firm bracing type of orthotic with EVA which could still potentially cause atrophy of course it's just in about the knowledge of the practitioner that's prescribing it and the knowledge of the people manufacturing it in making the right decisions for what's appropriate for the patient I've had a few patients tell me that they don't want orthotics because they don't want their feet to get lazy. Is that true? I think that's really dependent on the patient's regular regimen. I myself am a very active person. I still wear orthotics when I know I'm going to be on my feet for a really long period of time because the intrinsic muscles of the feet are really small in comparison to some of the larger muscle groups like the lower leg, the calves, the quadriceps, the hamstrings those muscles can take a lot more strain and they can handle a lot more load than what the small intrinsic muscles of the foot can. So if you're on your feet for consistent, regular, long periods of time, your thoughts can certainly help to reduce strain on those muscles. In terms of whether or not they're going to cause your feet to atrophy over time, it's the same as any other muscle in your body. If you don't use it, then it's not going to get strengthened. And so if you spend time to strengthen your foot muscles, 
in conjunction with using the orthotics, there definitely shouldn't be an issue. And what are the different methods for casting someone for orthotics and how accurate are these different methods? Sure. There's a lot of different methods. Wax casting, plaster slipper casting, foam impressions, and then as of lately, there's a lot of new technology emerging uh, in custom orthotic casting and manufacturing. 3D laser scanning, pin digitizers, and a variety of other methods that are kind of more digital based as well. In terms of accuracy, I think that the accuracy of the cast oftentimes has a lot more to do with the knowledge of the practitioner and how the cast is taken, more so than the actual method of casting. Each method of casting, of course, has its uh, advantages and disadvantages. For example, a foam cast is a semi-weight-bearing cast, so there is some pressure on the foot, but not full weight pressure, so a semi-weight-bearing cast. And so that allows for some of the expansion of the foot and soft tissue expansion and allows for you to control the foot in some ways, but not in others. So you can't control forefoot to rear foot positioning, um, but you can control, for example, the subtalar joint angle and heel angle when it's going into the cast. Um, there's a lot of room for error in a foam cast, as we know from our experience. If a practitioner's not well-trained in it, it can create huge, huge variance in the way the cast is taken, but it can also be a great casting method as well if you're really experienced and knowledgeable in what the outcome should be. The gold standard is plaster slipper casting or the 3D scanning equivalent because it allows for a non-weight-bearing capture of the foot and allows the practitioner to completely control the positioning of the foot, uh, rear foot to forefoot, but the big disadvantage to that casting method, it requires a high level of knowledge on the manufacturing end to ensure there's appropriate dressings and expansion made to the cast to address what the foot does when it expands on weight bearing. In terms of 3D scanning, there's a lot of 3D scanners out there, um, lots of different scanning methods, and they allow for a range of casting. You can get weight bearing casting, semi-weight bearing casting, and non-weight bearing casting with 3D scanning and that's where it really comes to the practitioner's expertise of the specific scanner type and casting method and how it gets manipulated on the manufacturing side. What is the difference between doing a weight-bearing or non-weight-bearing casting? Sure. In a weight-bearing cast, it's the position of the foot when it's compensated based on all of the foot's abnormalities or the foot and body's uh, compensations. So if your arches collapse really heavily, the weight-bearing cast will capture your foot in a really collapsed arch position. Your foot might not be structurally that position when it's non-weight-bearing. So in a non-weight-bearing cast, you're allowed, it allows you to capture the foot in its neutral position, in its most corrected position, and that's generally the best method of creating a device that's going to be the most corrective and functional for the patient. But like we said earlier, each foot expands and collapses and lengthens differently when you go to stand. So having information about both the non-weight-bearing shape and the weight-bearing shape uh, is really ideal for making the best type of device. Okay. So the thought with the non-weight-bearing ones is that your foot is in neutral as you cast it. So then when you are weight-bearing, your foot's in a more neutral 
position? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So once someone is measured or casted, what is the process of making the orthotics? Yeah, the process can vary quite drastically depending on which supplier or which manufacturer the practitioner uses. The manual method or kind of the classic method of manufacturing orthotics involves pouring plaster of Paris, which is a powder-based material that gets mixed with water and it fills the cast, whether it's the foam cast or the plaster slipper cast, and it would create kind of a hardened mold. And so this mold essentially is the inverse of the negative cast that's taken of the patient's foot. So now we have kind of a 3D mold of the patient's foot. A lot of the skill required in manufacturing a good customer orthotic comes in the modification of the mold. So understanding what the practitioner did when they took the cast and what kind of adjustments we need to make to this shape, whether it means taking out more in the arch or changing the shape across here in the metatarsal arch in order to offload pressure on the ball of the foot or changing the angle of the heel so that we can correct the heel and put the foot in a more neutral position. A lot of that knowledge and technical expertise has to be has to come from strong communication between the practitioner and the manufacturer. Um, this process is all done by hand and can be very labor intensive and also very knowledge intensive. So if the manufacturers who actually complete this process aren't at the level of knowledge required to make a really good device, then they can certainly create a really poor device as well. And also, of course, consistency across different workers or different manufacturers will create a completely different results based on how this cast is modified. The next step would be to take this plaster mold, use either the EVA or thermoplastic materials, heat it in an oven so that it gets soft and pliable, and then it would get um, laid on top of the plaster casts and vacuum wrapped with a uh, vacuum press. So that wraps everything around the cast to kind of conform to the shape of that corrected foot. And then that material would dry and then all the excess would get trimmed off and we would kind of shape it to match the insoles from there. So that's kind of the traditional method. If done correctly and in a custom manner, it can create a great result. And what type of processes do you use here? So the processes we use here are a little bit different. A lot of our processes, digital and CAD CAM base, which is computer-aided design and computer-aided manufacturing. We use a combination of 3D scanners to scan the foot or scan the cast. And our team of certified pedorthists design and make those digital changes to the cast or the mold using really specialized orthotic design software that allows us to pinpoint the different areas of the foot and make really accurate changes according to what the needs of the foot are. One of the major advantages too is it allows us to overlap images. So for example, if we took a look at the non-weight-bearing casts and the weight-bearing casts, we can actually bring those two images together and make modifications and changes to them so that the non-weight-bearing cast is expanded correctly and lengthened correctly and adjusted to match what the needs of the weight-bearing foot are. Um, once that file is designed and ready, it would get sent to a CNC milling machine, which is basically 
like the opposite of a 3D printer. So a 3D printer would drop down materials and build something up from the bottom up, and a CNC machine would actually cut away material from a starting block of base material and create the shape that we need of the orthotic based on our designs. So it helps to eliminate, eliminate a lot of the variances across different devices, different workers, um, really improves the accuracy, consistency, and reliability of the devices. Do you think that as technology improves, this is going to keep changing your profession? Absolutely. I think um, all industries are constantly changing uh, with new emerging technologies and manufacturing technologies. And there's always new research to be done based on the new material properties and new manufacturing methods. There's a lot of talk around 3D printing orthotics, for example, at the moment. But on the manufacturing side, if the cost effectiveness of 3D printing doesn't match or improve upon current methods, then sometimes that doesn't really make as much sense. At the same time, there's not a lot of research yet done on the properties of 3D printing mm -hmm. and how it applies to and compares to the current methods that are done. So I think it'll be a little while still before that's really something that's looked at mainstream. Do insurance companies cover the costs of orthotics made using a 3D scanner? They absolutely do. Um, I think it depends on whether the 3D scanner is actually producing a true 3D image. There are a lot of imaging techniques out there that are claiming to provide a 3D image when they don't really. And one of the big prime examples of that is the force plate, which is basically a square plate that you put on the ground, the patient walks across the plate or stands on the plate, and it measures all the pressure and force that comes in contact with this pressure plate. This doesn't create a 3D image, and for years there have been many practitioners out there who have been using this force plate as the sole method of manufacturing custom orthotics, um, which certainly goes to tell you that the manufacturer that supplies these plates and manufactures these products cannot possibly be making custom orthotics either because they're not working from a 3D mold of any sort. They're working from 2D and force measurements. So what are the difference between like the custom orthotics and an off-the-shelf orthotics? Is that the 2D versus 3D? So the differences between a custom orthotic and an off-the-shelf orthotic is an off-the-shelf orthotic is a standardized shape that is made to match and fit the average foot or somewhere within that range that may fit most people. It will provide some arch support and sometimes some metatarsal support as well, um, but it's not made to match your specific foot's needs. Uh, it can often be a great solution as a starting point for certain types of foot pain and oftentimes that may be all a patient needs. If the off-the-shelf solution doesn't work for you, then that's kind of your cue to look towards the next step of uh, creating a custom device that's uniquely made to match the needs and um, properties of what your foot requires. In terms of the 2D versus 3D, uh, it's just a matter of whether 
your orthotic manufacturer is making a truly custom device because if they're working from a 2D image, then they don't have a 3D mold of the foot, so they don't have an accurate shape of the patient's foot, and therefore they can't create a custom product at all. So in those cases, it's basically practitioners and patients being fooled into thinking that they're purchasing a custom-made product when they're not actually being provided one. There's been a few articles about off-the-shelf orthotics being marketed as custom-made. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think most of the orthotics that are sold to the public are custom-made? Off-the-shelf orthotics would probably be more better represented as the popular brands that are out there, for example, Superfeet, Birkenstock, Dr. Scholl's, that type of thing. Those are known brands of off-the-shelf orthotics. In terms of, I think what your question is, is whether the custom products are actually off-the-shelf products marketed as custom products. There's certainly a lot of that out there as well. Some of the biggest manufacturers in Canada and the U.S. often claim to make custom product when they're actually using stock item shells and creating orthotics that are not actually unique to the patient's feet. Um, a custom product should almost always match closely in contour and shape uh, to the patient's feet and also have modifications, um, changes in the angles and posting and other supports and additions that are unique and specific to the patient's needs. So some places do a mold unique to your foot and other places start with kind of a basic mold and then modify that to match your um, foot? Is, am I understanding that correctly? And often, in a lot of cases, they don't modify it to match your foot. Um, I think there are definitely places out there that might have a shelf full of sizes 5 to 10, 11, 12 shells that are already just a generic shape and a very non-intrusive shape and then they might just take that and add on the, the cushioning layers that the practitioner asked for and sell that as a custom product. A truly custom product requires the process of manipulating the foot mold and the foot casts in the correct manner so that you can get the right outcomes for the patient and without that step of creating a unique shape and shell based on patient's needs, it's not really a custom product. So. Is there a cost difference between those two? Absolutely, yeah, that's probably the biggest reason why there are manufacturers out there that don't create custom product because they have, in their experience, found ways to fool both the practitioners and the patients into thinking they're getting a custom product while using like extremely low cost methods of manufacturing that are not custom, which is what makes their profits, profit margins larger or allows them to undercut prices of the truly custom manufacturing facilities. And what things should patients look for when purchasing orthotics? How do they know that they're going to be getting a good custom orthotic? Well, that is a very tough question. I think it would be quite tough for the general public to be able to tell, and that's part of the reason why some of these more fraudulent manufacturing methods 
have developed and blossomed and succeeded because people are often fooled with the custom versus non-custom product. One of the key things that a patient should look for realistically are to take the orthotic and match it up to the foot. In an example like this where the mold and the orthotic should match like very closely in contour all the way across the device so that you have a nice like tight and fully contoured fit to the foot. That's usually the first indication. If you put your foot onto a device that doesn't match the orthotic, so for example, if your orthotic has a gap where you can stick your finger in or stick a pen underneath and you can see there's a lot of spacing underneath the arch, between the arch and the orthotic, uh, that's already a pretty good sign that uh, there are some problems with the manufacturing of your device and a good place to start to question whether your device is actually custom made. Many clinics sell orthotics and also offer free shoes and things like that with your purchase. So what are your thoughts on that and are there any regulations for selling orthotics? There's been a lot of debate around that lately. Um, there's been some pretty big cases in the news uh, as of recent with orthotics and practices of fraud. The College of Pedorthics and our Code of Ethics doesn't allow for free products and services to be provided in conjunction with professional services, which would be the custom orthotics that we provide. So as a certified pedorthist, our practice doesn't allow for us to be giving products away for free in conjunction with our professional health services. I'm not 100% sure about how the Code of Ethics works for other healthcare professionals, uh, such as chiropractors, physiotherapists, podiatrists and chiropractors, um, so I can't speak for those professions, but in terms of regulation around the orthotics, the main criteria is to ensure that a custom product is actually being fabricated and dispensed to the patient. A lot of times some of the freebies that come around with orthotics are often fraudulent practices, but I think the insurance companies are still struggling quite a bit to find a way to properly regulate that. But lately there's been a lot of clinics that are getting caught and reprimanded for the different types of fraud that are out there. So, so what healthcare providers can prescribe orthotics? That question really depends on what the definition of prescribing orthotics is. In terms of writing a medical diagnosis and prescription, it would have to be a practitioner that is able to write prescriptions within their scope of practice. So chiropractors, chiropractors and podiatrists, and um, medical doctors and physicians, orthopedic surgeons and, that, and practitioners yeah. of that like. In terms of dispensing orthotics, that really depends on the specific insurance policies. There isn't really a lot of regulation around who can actually sell orthotics to patients, which I think is part of the issue with the abundance of fraud in the industry. Realistically, anybody can sell you orthotics, but whether or not it will be covered by your insurance company is really dependent on your insurance policy. And lately, the policies have been stricter and stricter to kind of narrow in on the more qualified health practitioners that can provide that service. 
for healthcare providers who don't prescribe orthotics, how can they screen a patient to know who may be appropriate for them? I know that's really broad. Yeah, that's really broad. I think it really depends on the practitioner's level of knowledge. Orthotics can be beneficial for a really wide range of conditions, but I think in an ideal world, practitioners who have a certain comfort level of understanding of the different conditions that the devices that they design and prescribe that can influence and improve those conditions should really be prescribing or recommending orthotics um, based on the conditions that they understand well and can effectively treat using orthotics. Orthotics can treat a really wide range of um, conditions, but if the practitioner says, for example, that they can treat your low back pain with orthotics but actually have no strong knowledge of the correlation between the design of the orthotics and how it influences the lower back, then I don't think that's really an appropriate time for that practitioner to be recommending that treatment protocol to the patient. Unless they're referring them to a specialist that does understand that well and can provide that treatment to the patient. Are there any online resources for healthcare providers to learn more about different conditions that orthotics may help? and signs, symptoms, things they should look for to maybe refer someone on? I haven't personally spent a lot of time looking for that. I don't think that there is a universally accepted knowledge base for that. There's certainly tons of you know YouTube videos and YouTube channels and websites that have like sporadic information, but it is hard to pick out which things are accurate and reliable knowledge. So I think that is definitely part of the problem. It's tough for someone who's looking to learn more to really find reputable sources of information to kind of further their knowledge as well, so. And where can people find out more about you? Um, They can definitely check out our website, orthogeniclab.com. We're a pedorthic owned and managed facility. We're kind of a smaller company but we really pride ourselves in creating the highest quality product and really furthering our field and the whole concept of orthotics and what they're able to do to help patients using technology and using the expertise of true foot specialists in orthotic design and manufacturing. And for people that are interested in learning more about what you do, do you do you know, tours, teach practitioners how to use the different technology if they're interested in that? Yeah, absolutely. That's part of our very regular practice as we're meeting practitioners and meeting people who are interested in learning more. We're always happy to open our doors to have people see our facilities because we have nothing to hide. All of our processes are truly custom um, from start to finish. All right, thank you. No problem. Thank you for listening to Functional First Podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please give us a rating on the iTunes store and stay tuned each month for a new episode.